You are tuned in to Studio22Live.tv, podcast episode number 39 with the marketing mentor, entrepreneur, and business strategist, Iona Denise Garrett. Studio 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 Welcome back to Studio22Live.tv Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Fitzgiles, and we are so glad you are back with us. It is episode 39, and we have a special, special... Man, this this episode right here is going to be one that's going to go evergreen, stay evergreen, but also you're going to keep coming back to over and over and over again, as I'm going to feature to you someone who is very special to me, very, very special to me personally, my best friend... My right hand, my left hand, my rib, all that good stuff. But she is also an entrepreneur. She's also a marketing mentor. She's a business strategist. And she is overall one of the most influential women I have ever met in my life. She goes by the name of Iona Denise Garrett. And we're going to be right back, right after this, with an exclusive interview, a three-part interview with the incredible, world-renowned Iona Denise Garrett. So let's talk about Iona Garrett a little bit. Okay, what do you want to know? Entrepreneurship. I see that, you know, I do I do know personally. And I really, just let me just let you know, I admire you because you're a true entrepreneur. I'm why not a true you, entrepreneur. Why do you say that? Because in my mind, when I people are out there that are saying, I'm an entrepreneur, what does that mean? What, what, what does it really mean? Does it mean that you just decided to start a business? Does it mean that you've... That you think you're a business owner doesn't mean that you're making a lot of money and you don't work for anybody. A lot of people just think I'm an entrepreneur because I don't work for anybody. But I believe if an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur, is a person who no longer has a safety net. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> like when you, when when everything you do is on you, is on you. Oh yeah. And you don't have a paycheck. You are the paycheck. You are the paycheck. You are the paycheck. And, you know, we talk about if you don't go to work, then you don't get paid. Well, if you that's that's true. But an entrepreneur, I believe when you define it, what just just tell me in your own words, what, what, what is it? What is a true entrepreneur? Well, let, let me just kind of back up and say this. Most people who think they're entrepreneurs, they're just business owners. And what I mean by that, you just simply own an LLC. Right. You own, you, you're registered with the state that you're in or your local government. So you're, you're an official, you may be an official business owner, but that doesn't mean that you're an entrepreneur. You may be a side hustler and, that's the, and those are not bad things. Right. But entrepreneurship is so much of everything that you said. Like you really, when you have reached that point of entrepreneurship, you are solely pretty much dependent upon yourself and the team that you've assembled you know if you have if, even if you if you even have a team right right <laughs> but most people don't right but entre- entrepreneurs out. they pretty much don't have a safety net and they're extremely extremely creative right and they don't give up very easily 
And sometimes for other people, right, they're relentless and most people, they're, they're success stalkers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But most people who would give up so easily, if one thing didn't work, right. they'll go back to their job true. and just say, you know what, uh, that didn't work for me. But a true entrepreneur will fall on their face a hundred times and keep going. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. I remember I heard Buster Rhymes say that one time. He was. You don't uh, get the, you don't get distracted by Plan B because there yeah. is there is no Plan B. Yeah, I heard it's Will, only Plan A. Yeah, Will said that. You know, there is no Plan B. I remember Buster Rhymes say it was like, listen, this you know this music stuff that I'm doing, it it's got to happen. Mm-hmm. There is no degrees. Mm-hmm. There is no high school. This has to happen. Right. Wow. And also too with entrepreneurship, you know, you're constantly learning along the way, meaning you're. You're, you're mastering your craft, but you're learning the business, mm-hmm. like the, the things that keep you in business, like and how to market yourself. There's so many facets to entrepreneurship that you learn. But when most people who just say, you know what? Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. They think that they're an entrepreneur, but really they just they're just hustling. They're just trying to figure things out. You don't really reach entrepreneurship, you know, until you've kind of been in the game a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. for a while. How long? A year, two um, years? I, I mean, that depends. It, it just depends on the person, mm-hmm. you know, how hard they're going and, you know, how if they're raising their, their value, if they're raising their skills, if they're learning new skills. Most entrepreneurs, you'll find that they have acquired skills along the way that they didn't have before. What's, what, what skills do you need to be an entrepreneur? In your in your in your opinion, there's there's some there's a lot of skills that a person could use, right? But there's some essential skills that I think that every, you know, great entrepreneur must possess. Okay. And those, I know one skill is the ability to market themselves. That is like probably one of the number one skills that you would need to develop in, and to raise, you know, yourself in that area. The next one would be leadership. Mm-hmm. Because as you grow your business, you're gonna need people, yeah. and and those people that you're gonna need, you're gonna need to lead them, so that you can have a great team, so that you can have a great business. So those two things, market marketing yourself, and being able to lead, those are two essential parts of owning a business, a successful business, and and also too with entrepreneurship. If you think about most successful entrepreneurs. They don't just always have one business. They may have several businesses, but they usually start with one and then let that one spring them spring use it as a springboard to the next one. So right. most entrepreneurs, they are true entrepreneurs in the sense of they like you said, they don't have a safety net. Mm-hmm. They're solely relied, you know, relying upon themselves and their business, but they uh, they're constantly growing. Mm-hmm. They're constantly scaling to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Where most people who think they're entrepreneurs, they're not. They're just more. They're just side hustlers. Mm-hmm. You know, popping up the trunk out. You know, popping up the trunk and selling something out of the back of the trunk. Right, right. You know, or <laughs> they may put up a little a website and maybe sell a few products, but their mindset is hasn't been hasn't been stretched mm-hmm. to become an entrepreneur. Which because entrepreneurs they tend to they just don't see themselves working for someone else. Okay, that's a true entrepreneur right. in my opinion. Now, interesting. Did you always have that mindset? Because I know when I first started getting into entrepreneurship, I know that um, I thought I was an entrepreneur, like you said, but I'm working a job. So taking care of family, working a job, it's like you got one foot in and one foot out. And that's kind of like how it's always been for me. And I still to this day, it's still like that. But I respect entrepreneurs because they, they, they jump in both feet. 
I mean, I might be all over the place, but I'm kind of like jack of all trades, master of none, right? Trying to learn different things, trying to learn different skills. But when you, were you always like that? Um, well, it's kind of unique for me because when I was 14, which you know my story, when I was 14, and I'll make this quick. No, don't make it quick because we got all night. Okay. So take your time. All right. So when I was 14, uh, of course, most people who have heard this story know that it's about my sister. Uh, we were teenagers, and there was a time when she wanted to be on the flag team at school. And being that my mother was raising, you know, four kids on her own, single mom, you know, with, you know, a part-time job, um, it was just really tough, you know, for my mom to afford to be able to do extra, you know, curricular things for us. So we didn't really get a chance to hang out and do a lot of extracurricular activities because, of course, it costs money, right? So even with being in the band or, or being on the flag team, of course, you had to buy uniforms. So my mom just did not have it. She just didn't have it. And I remember the day my sister came home asking my mom. I was 14 at the time. And she asked my mother, you know, she's like, you know, can I please be on the flag team? You know, my friends are doing it, you know, and I want to be on it. And my, I, I'll never forget my mom looked at her and said, you know, I would love for you to do that, but I just don't have the money to buy uniforms because she, you know, put the paper in front of her and told her what it was going to cost. Right. And she, of course, was trying to plead her case. How, why, you know, why not? And of course, my mom had to reiterate. She just didn't have the money. I'm sorry. And she said it was such disappointment because she wanted to be able to do it for my sister, but she couldn't. And um, so I remember my sister walking away. You know really you know distraught and upset that she couldn't do it and right. it just something inside of me just like arose and woke up and was like i gotta do something to help my sister like oh wow like i just felt so bad for her that she couldn't be on the flag team so mm. i got up i went over to my mom which was in the near the kitchen counter and i said mom what can i do to help my sister you know to help my help nicole and she was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I said, well, Mom, you always, you know, she, you, sh you showed me how to cook. You know, I know how to make brownies and Rice Krispie treats. And, you know, so I just had this idea to make stuff and sell it. <laughs> nice. So that I could, you know, I was trying to, f I didn't have a job. I was 14. I was trying to figure out how could I get money mm -hmm. to help my sister. And that was the one thing that I had that I knew that I could do to make money. So this was 14. Wow. So. I started this whole, you know, I could say, I guess you could say, not really an entrepreneur. You can call me a side hustler then, I no, guess. I was, was a side it hustler. it was truly entrepreneurship. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you got an idea to do it, even though you had a big heart for your sister. You know, and that's, that's, that, that's key. But you, you know, it's, it's like you figured out, what am I good at? Right, but it, it became something more for me, but I didn't know that it was going to become okay. something more. Right. I, only, I truly did it for my sister. I was just trying to get money. But during the process of getting money, I liked the way it felt. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that, you know, these kids were like addicts in a sense, you know, with me coming to school, bringing, you know, all these sweet treats to school What'd that they make? couldn't get. Hmm? What'd you make? Total? I mean, no. What, what what kind of product did you have? What kind of Oh, food? wow. Let's see. Well, I started off I started off making Rice Krispie Treats and brownies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is what I started yeah, with. Yeah, so winning Rice and Krispie And then eventually, treats. eventually, I convinced my mother with the money that I made, right? Yeah. To go and buy some more stuff like pickles 
and uh, but nobody told blow you pops. That. No, nobody told nobody, me that. Nobody told you to reinvest. You just did it naturally. Right. That's what I'm saying. But that's an entrepreneur. True. I guess you're right. That's a real so yeah. Lesson. So I, but I knew that if I made this, I just had, I just figured it out. I said that okay. Well, if I made this, then I must be able to make more. They're already coming to me for something. Yeah. So if I give them this, then maybe they'll buy that. Mm -hmm. So I convinced my mom. We went to this uh, distributor. They sold all kinds of candy, and you know, we had concessions at school. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get stuff that we didn't have at school. Look at that. Wow. So, I said, okay, well, we don't, we don't have this at school. And I remember the day that my mom and I went to this distributorship where they sold this candy wholesale and all this different, these products. And I, I was looking for stuff that we didn't have at school. I mean, nobody told me to do that, but I knew that if I bought this here, then we don't have it at school. They'll buy it for me. So yeah, I heard it said that if you can find a void and fill it, <laughs> right. then you make a lot of money. And I'm 14 years so old. Like, who thinks old, that? You found a void, you filled it. <laughs> And you made some money. So, and the thing is, I think I think really what happened was I I was selling my Rice Krispie treats and brownies, but I, it wasn't enough money mm -hmm. to get my sister's uniform. Right. So I needed to add some more products. <laughs> no way! Get out of here. So that's why I started selling other stuff, and so I sold that. Plus, I continue to make Rice Krispie treats Look and brownies. So I went to school with more products, and I'm, I sold out every day. Mm. Every single day I sold out. And I remember coming home, and my, we were adding up the money. I was giving my mom the money, and eventually my sister had enough to buy her uniform, and we even had some leftover. I can remember helping my mom, you know, with some things at, at home, you know, whether it was food or some of the bills and, you know, whatever I had left Bring over. Bring home so, the bacon. So, and I was 14, but right. that experience... You know, I, I truly believe I attribute I attribute that experience to my success today. Right. Because it, the feeling that I got when I was serving a need, and I'm telling you, I would get off the bus, Fred, and it was like these kids, they would circle around me. Wow. Like, you got some? You got some today? You oh, know, wow. it was, it was, I'm telling you. It wasn't you, legit. Be if something. it was, exactly. <laughs> and listen, got I got some? in trouble. My mom told me. And my mom told me, she's like, look, if you sell this at school, you better not get in trouble. Because we, we just never got in trouble at school. Right, right, But right. guess what? I got in trouble. Oh, bad. One of the teachers, she. she you got some? One of the teachers, she. Get some of that? <laughs> one of the teachers ratted me out. She did. Oh, wow. After she right. bought two Rice Krispie trees. Oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> The teacher ratted you out after she got hurt. Right. That's like a crackhead. She a she crack, bought a, a she bought two of them. Right. And then she said, "Bring me your bag." Mm mm mm. And she she I'm kept the bag. She oh, kept the bag at her desk. And when when the class was over, she walked me to the principal's office. That's that's foul. And uh, yep, that's and told me that I'm not supposed to be selling it at school. You got stuff for me though. Yeah, ain't that something? <laughs> Let me tell you something. It was so funny because we would be sitting in class and this one particular teacher who ratted me out. Right. You know, and I still, to be honest with you, I don't even, I mean, I'm not even mad about it anymore, of course. But, right. you know, I can remember being in her class and she was the only teacher that kept her door open. Look at that. When she taught. Why? I don't know. Mm. But because of that, when I was in her class, she would have her back to the door and she's writing on the board. Whoa. And there were kids would come in the hallway and it was like everybody in class knew that I was selling this, you know, this, this stuff, right? So they would help me out. They would help other kids in the hallway. So they would sling the money inside and we would pass, I would pass the brownies, pass the Rice Krispie treats or the candy, whatever they wanted. And everybody's kind of passing it down, 
you know, and making sure the teacher doesn't sit and they sling it out the door. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, New Jack City, Nino Brown. Pretty thing much. Going on. Yeah, I was. I was. Rice Krispies. Yeah, I was. I was like, I guess if, it, if you can call the kingpin, I was. Yeah, the yeah. Kingpin of Rice Krispies. <laughs> I was the queen. That was the queen, queen pin. pin of, of of legitimate products. Though. Right. Legitimate products. Wow. And wow. I used to bring it to school in this burgundy duffel bag. Right. I can still see that duffel bag right now. Mm, mm, mm. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, so that actually was, I would have to say, Fred, that that was my first true experience of knowing what, you know, having a product to offer someone and, and it being in demand and just knowing that I have something of value that I can exchange for money. Mm-hmm. Yep. And from there, you know, of course, I didn't keep doing it. I stopped. But after I got out of school, I just remember always Ran keeping that in. Yeah, pretty much. And of course, I didn't want to get in trouble anymore. Yeah, so yeah, once yeah. the teachers, you know, ratted me out right. and I got, you know, the te- I didn't get suspended or anything, but they did, you know, have my mom come up to the school and she had to come and take, you know, get the bag and yeah. of course like that. But so I stopped. But I do remember throughout the rest of my days in school that I said, man, when I finally, when I get out of school, I said, I got to find want to, I want to make money again, you know, some selling something. Did it give you a rush? It did. Okay. It really did. I guess money look at your rush if you're making money and yeah people are happy you oh, got yeah. smiles on people's faces but let me ask you this you did this because of your sister yes How did you so what happened at the end of that story did you wind up helping yeah i did yeah okay. i was saying i got i made enough money to help her oh, and as well as help my what mom too say? you know it's funny because i don't remember exactly what she said back then but i just remember her being excited mm-hmm. that you know, my mom could finally, you know, go and pay for her uniform. And she knew that I had helped her. And, of course, she was, you know, she was grateful. And I think I remember. Did she really know what you went but through? She, no, she, she did not. She, she did not. She No, she knew She knew that I was selling, you know, right. stuff at school to help her. Um, but the thing is, today, even still, to this day, she, she remembers. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, we'll, we'll laugh about it, you know, now. Yeah, yeah. That I did it. Yep. Wow. So she knows now. She realizes. That's good. So after that experience, that's your first entrepreneur experience. Uh, take us through when you first started to have your real adult entrepreneurship experience. Because you keep mentioning marketing, 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 marketing. And that's one of the things I know personally that I struggle with mm-hmm. as far as when I came up. I mean, you know, I'm working corporate America, you know, I've got, you know, I'm working in five different industries. Mm-hmm. Worked in, uh, I, worked, I worked in the rest. Actually, I, uh, my first job, I worked for a billion dollar company. Is that right? Yeah. Matter of fact, it was a multi-billion dollar company. Multi-billion dollar company. Okay. I learned a lot with that company too. What did you learn? I mean, at 13 years old, mm. you're thinking most people are going to get some like little odd jobs, you know, like doing like, uh, Shoveling snow or making leaves. <laughs> no, I I went for the gusto. Wow, at thirteen. Thirteen years okay. old. Okay. And the thing that I learned, I learned, you know, how to, how to work as a team. I learned uh, how to uh, kind of get along with people. I learned mm-hmm. about leadership. Leadership skills. Okay. Leadership thirteen. Skills. That's awesome. I learned how to you know clean up very well. And uh, matter of fact, I learned the phrase we used to. I had was clean as you go. <laughs> and uh, I also learned that when you uh, put the fries down, <laughs> push the button, they'll come up in about three minutes. Don't, 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 don't let them stay there. 
I think I know what company you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking, yeah, the billion dollar company, McDonald's. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say, would that be the one with the yellow arches? Yeah, the one with the yellow arches. That's 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 the one. But I I learned a lot at McDonald's, and but that was my first job. And ever since, I had a job, job like job, right. job, job. Right. I never thought about doing entrepreneurship until uh, I was like thirty years old. Mm. Really? Interesting. Yeah, from 13, I started working. I was 13, and 30 years old, I started to open up my mind. Mm-hmm. No, matter of fact, to tell you the truth, I'm lying. I had a uh, really, really good friend of mine called my brother. He was uh, he started doing entrepreneurship while we, while we worked at McDonald's together. So. Okay. But during that time, he started saying to himself, man, it's you know, 3.35 an hour ain't going to cut it. Because mm-hmm. he had a girlfriend, and she was pregnant. Wow. He wanted, he wanted to do something different. Right. And he knew us working 80 hours and getting $250 wasn't going to cut it. Okay. Because we were, listen, three th- I remember we went from 335 now to 345. <laughs> Got a whole 10 cent oh, raise. A 10 cent <laughs> raise, you know, big time. But somebody uh, somebody approached him and talked about um being being a painter. Mm. And he started painting with this one company. Okay. Started to learn how to get his skills up with painting, and I wasn't interested in that. He didn't even ask me, but he was he was doing 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 that. He was working at McDonald's and painting, and then he got into started talking about he wanted to do his own business. I thought it was crazy. No man, you're just getting another job. Mm-hmm. Cause see, I was brought up a little different. My dad and my mom, my mom's school teacher, she worked. Okay. Right. My dad worked. You know, and. Even though I knew that there was things that I liked, I never looked at people as business owners. It wasn't right. something that was. Just, you didn't have any examples around you. And I don't. And I didn't have a desire okay. for it either. Got it. I had a desire to make money. Right. I had a desire to work, but my my blueprint was your programming. Yeah. You know, it was, was go get a job, mm-hmm. and then you look. And if you are not at that job anymore, you get another job. Right. So right. my friend talked about starting a business. Mm-hmm. I remember, but this thought it was crazy. So I continue working. Right. I can understand that. You know, I can. I just continue working. And then 30 years old, you know, I decided I wanted to try to do, uh, I wanted to detail cars. Okay. Fred's Auto Detail. And what the concept was, I was working in uh, computers. Mm-hmm. I was going to come to your job. Nice. Okay. Detail your It's a great concept. And by the time you get off work, your car was used. That's a great concept. How'd it work out? I didn't ever get started. You never started? <laughs> so you had the idea, but you so, never started. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, most people out there, they get an idea and never get started. Now I was going to do, I was going to cut hair. <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing? <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out so well because I could cut hair okay. My, my TJ, you know, poor baby. He uh, he was th- two, three years old. I gave him a, a a heck of a shape up. Oh, so you practice on him? I practice. <laughs> <laughs> so you were get you were getting your entrepreneurship like yeah. um, juices flowing. Yeah, you were getting bit. it flowing, but you didn't quite get it off. No, no get not, it off the ground. the ground. Got it. And then um, uh, after that. I figured I'd try a couple of things that didn't work out, and then I got into, I got introduced 
to network marketing. Okay. And and how old were you then? I was 30, 31. Wow, okay. And I came to me. And this when I when I first, when I joined that, I started being around people who were, you know, entrepreneurs who, mm-hmm. that's all they did. Okay. They didn't have a job, you know. So when you hear somebody saying, yeah, this is They were on. true entrepreneurs. They were true entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, my car got repossessed. Uh, I'm going to heat my house. I'm sleeping in my car. Mm-hmm. And all those stories are inspiring. It's not pretty, though. But you don't, you don't, you don't really understand it till it happens to you. Right. So, long story longer. I realized that I respect entrepreneurs. I used to call myself one, but I really realized because I'm still in corporate America, mm-hmm. I'm not a true entrepreneur. I got a lot of things going on. I got a lot mm-hmm. of a couple side hustles, um, but I'm starting. I really have a respect for you and the people who are true entrepreneurs where they have no other paycheck. Right. Well, let me just say something about that because, you know, it's most entrepreneurs start off the way you're doing it mm-hmm. because most people have to work. You know, you have to eat. You, you need to pay rent. You, ne- you need a place to live. So most people have jobs. You know, it's, it's not until most times some people kind of get forced into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like for me, you know, I've been an entrepreneur. Well, I guess I was a I was a business owner side hustle side hustler, you know, until I was forced into a situation to where I had to become an entrepreneur, right. you know, and just solely rely on my own self. And you know, I'll share that with you in just a minute. But let me go back and say this for anyone who is currently working and they they have an idea or they want to start a business or they they want to become an entrepreneur, <coughs> you know, you can do it. Just know that it's gonna take it's gonna take time. You know, every situation is unique. Every situation is different, and um, so don't get discouraged because you're not solely relying on yourself right now. Take advantage of the time that you have while you're working to save as much money as you can, to learn as much as you can, so that when you are in a position to where you can leave and become a true entrepreneur, where you're solely relying on yourself, you'll have that you know a safety net. You know, to be honest, if I could do it all over again, I probably would have worked a little longer mm-hmm. so that I could have had more of a safety net financially. Right, right. You know, saved up. But for me, I just dove right in because yeah. I was forced into that situation. Like um, I was jump. Right. I was yeah. forced in. I was let go from a corporate job. I worked in corporate America for many, many years. Mm-hmm. But my first going from the time that I was, you know, selling you know, Rice Krispie Treats and Brownies, as a teenager, my, I, I really didn't do anything as it relates to business until I was 20. Okay. So it. from that point, so there was a period of time where I wasn't doing anything. I went, I left, you know, high school and went on to college. But, and it was then during that time in college that I kind of got the bug again. Mm. You know, I was in uh, in my dorm room and I, I liked doing my hair. I always try to, I was always a kind of an artsy type person. Right. And so girls would pay me to do their hair. While I was in college. Wow. Yeah, so when I was, you know, staying in Lafayette, going to school, you know, it was the weekend. We're going out. Racking it up. And so girls wanted me, wanted their hair like mine. And so I would, they would come in my dorm room and I would, you know, they paid me a little. And it wasn't much money. But it was still, you know, again, I had something else that I could do and people would give me money for it. Look at that. Right? So love that experience. And from there, you know, when I left college, uh, I moved to California for a short period of time and ended up coming back to Louisiana. And let me tell you what I did. Mm. 
during that time while I was in California, my uncle, God rest his soul, he's 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 gone now, dead and gone, but he treated my aunt and myself to a day of getting pampered. Okay. All right. And so like that uncle. Right. So my aunt <laughs> my aunt had her friend, well her her hairstylist to come over to the house. She was a mobile hairstylist. Mm. And she came to the house and she did our hair and our nails. And I love, you know, when she pulled up, I saw this beautiful Mercedes that she was driving. She just got out of the car. It was just like, it was almost like something from a movie scene. Wow. Like she, she she stepped out, beautiful hair on point, just gorgeous, stepping out of this beautiful Mercedes. And, and I'm like, she's doing our hair? And my aunt was like, oh, yeah, she's, she's really good. Well, she would have about five clients a day. Wow. And she was bringing home about maybe two to three thousand dollars a day, a day, a day, doing hair, doing hair, in Los Angeles. Wow! And that inspired me so much. That inspired me right now. <laughs> and I was already, I was already getting a few, a few little dollars, you yeah, know, in yeah. college doing right. some girls' hair and, and you know, like that. But when, when I realized, I'm like, wait a minute. And I told her about my experience, and she's like, "Well, you need to go get license. You need to go get a beauty license." Wow. And that way you can charge more money. You can charge what you're, what you're worth. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, now. Hold on. Charge what you're worth. What you're worth. That's a message That's for what she all said. your entrepreneurs <laughs> out there. And your budding entrepreneurs. Know your value and charge what you're worth. Mm-hmm. Get ready to hook up people. Yes. And she said, she said, the reason why I make the kind of money that I make is because I'm professional. And I have a license. She said, a lot of times. You know, there are women out there who may do hair better than me, but they'll never make the kind of money that I make because they're not licensed and people won't respect them. Mm. So she said, go get your license. And I'll never forget when I got back to Louisiana, that's what I did. I enrolled in beauty school and I got a beauty license and I opened up a salon. So you had your own salon. Yes. Message. (laughs) You had your own salon salon you did people's hair and they paid you yes as a professional as a professional with a license yes just want to put that out there <laughs> so yeah so that was actually my first real business that mm, nice. i actually got a professional license and business license for and uh, i actually got, ended up going the person i went to beauty school with uh, or one of the ladies i went to beauty school with we decided to go in business together so we were partners nice. And we worked exceptionally well together. This was your full-time job. You had nothing else going nothing on. Else. Nothing else. Nothing else. The, the beauty salon. That's it. You earn your living That's it. with the beauty salon. That's it. Message. <laughs> and I was 21 by that time. Wow. 21. I was 21. Nice. So from there, um, of course, and from there, I got actually, I don't, I don't want to make this, this story too long. But no, no. We got plenty of time. Okay. Yeah, this is a podcast. Okay. We may have to have a part one and part two yeah, for this yeah, one. Yeah, we could do what you got to do. Um, but anyway, I got married, got pregnant, um, had some challenges with, you know, when I was pregnant, and my doctor had me go on bed rest. Mm-hmm. And this was during at a, a very heightened time of me owning my salon. Right. Had a, I mean, a huge clientele. And then all of a sudden, now I can't work. Wow. Had to get off of my feet. Mm. So... Um, my business partner, to be honest with you, she was good. She was an older lady, so more of her clientele were older ladies. Yeah. But the bulk of the money that was coming in, in the salon was from, coming from, from young me. Folks. Was right. I had the more younger yeah. clientele, yeah. and we were booming. And so by me not being able to be there, yeah. it was tough for her to keep everything going. Oh wow! 
and so eventually so so within three to four months she couldn't have really afford to keep the salon open and so we ended up having to close the salon that's a that's a point now for you entrepreneurs out there you know sometimes you have some challenges and no matter how things are going always be prepared just in case something happens because right. it's not a failure but it's a lesson right but it was because of, that you had some other challenges going on right but i had also had a lack of a lack of knowledge in that area what you're speaking of because okay. you know I, I opened a salon and it was successful but i still didn't have a whole lot of business knowledge sure. i didn't have a whole lot of like knowledge and finance and right. to start saving and, and investing that money or putting a lot of money aside that could have helped her stay afloat while I was out. Right. Okay. You know, so we eventually, because I didn't, I didn't do those things, which was a lesson that I learned. You know, we ended up having to close, and she ended up having to go back to her house and start doing hair. And then when I was able to, I was well again and back on my feet. I started doing hair in my home. So we had we had to close our salon right. by this right. time. So, but we continued doing hair. Sure. You know, but separately. So, you know, from there. Um, had some challenges, got, ended up getting divorced, and uh, decided to stop doing hair on my home. Um, it just wasn't working. Yeah. You know, it was just, it just wasn't working running a salon out of my house. Right, I got you. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I decided, you know what, I'm tired of this right now. Let me just go get a job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So I actually went from being an entrepreneur to back to, back to, to, to corporate. That was your, I guess that would be your first corporate job that was my first my first first corporate corporate job job. so my first corporate job so what i did is i went and i worked for um a very well-known you know company in my local city Mm -hmm. and i was a telemarketer okay telemarketer but i moved up really fast in the company from being just a a customer service telemarketer to a supervisor right and started supervising an entire call center Mm. you know about 175 people Ooh, that's a lot a lot of people in the call center. I used to work in the call center. Right. So it went from there, you know, from that to, it's just amazing. My journey has been really unique. But during that time is when I first learned about network marketing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So while on the job, I met someone whose husband was in a network marketing company mm-hmm. that introduced it to me and uh, my husband at the time. Right. And came over to our house, introduced this company to me called, uh, I don't know if I can say this on air, oh, but yes. it was... A mirror plan. A mirror plan. Do you remember okay, that? Yeah, I remember that. A mirror plan, yeah, right? My, the first person that came to me when I was working at the job in network marketing was, uh, it was Amway. Mm. Matter of fact, my supervisor. That was my second. <laughs> yeah. My my supervisor came to me and it was like, hey, we're having to get together over my house, you know. Mm. The thing is, now, we, we got experience in network marketing. Right. 16 years. Yes. Okay. So... So I, right now, hindsight 2020, I know everything about mm-hmm. the network marketing uh, flow, the game. You know, I mean, I, I know I, I can spot what people are, or what they're trying. But his was interesting because he, to me, he 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 used his leverage of being my supervisor mm-hmm. to get me to show up. Ah, he was just like, hey. You know, we're having this, you know, you want to, we want to impress your boss. Of course. So you got to like, go. So he's like, hey, we have to get together over the house. And, you know, that's about, I said, okay, I'll come over. You sure you're coming? He's very adamant about it. <laughs> you sure you're coming? Sure you're coming? Sure you come? I said, yeah. Get over there. It's almost like a guy popped out of the closet. Like, hey, guys, <laughs> how you doing? And so. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but uh, that was my first experience. And I, but at the time, I wasn't interested in 
in that particular thing but yeah mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah so go ahead. but fast forward and i'll, I'll make this you know because this is a this is a pretty long story and i know we got time but i don't want to make it too long so that was in 1998 okay right this is 2018 wow so that was 20 years ago that i was first ago. introduced to network marketing right and i joined this company first network marketing company and i actually made some money there you go hey. i actually made some money <laughs> It wasn't a lot, nice. you know, yeah. had a few customers, right. but I love the fact that I was like, wow, okay. So I've always been this person that was hungry, looking for something that I could give somebody that was good mm-hmm. and they would give me money in return. Nice. And I, I like the fact I entered, you know, I love the, the concept mm-hmm. of building, being able to not only sell something, but I could teach somebody else how mm-hmm. to sell it. Yep. And then they can be a part of my team. And I can also get a commission mm-hmm. from what they sold. So I love that concept. Yep. And um, But this, a sad thing happened is the person who introduced me to Amer- Ameriplan, um, he passed away. Oh, wow. And he didn't have a large team. Mm-hmm. So when he, when he passed away, his wife really wasn't a person that I could really connect with yeah. that, that she didn't really keep the keep it going mm-hmm. right? right so I eventually kind of fell off you know out of the company I kept my membership with the company kept right. the services but I didn't continue you know building because I really didn't know how because sure. I, I pretty much relied on him mm-hmm. for for most things and he didn't really connect me with anyone else you know and I probably could have tried to seek out maybe his sponsor or some other people in the company but you know at that time i I just didn't right but not long after that probably less than a year i was introduced to another network marketing company Mm -hmm. which we know it today as legal shield right right and it was prepaid legal at the time right and um i I really loved it i got a chance to make some great money i built a huge team Mm. um and oh my gosh it's just it was just it was just an amazing opportunity for me to learn more about you know, leadership, mm-hmm. how to make more income, how to, you know, teach people about money. Um, and so from there, uh, I it still kept evolving. I've always been a hungry person that, you know, if I can do this, you know, how can I stretch myself a little bit more? Right. And then I was introduced to another company, uh, which is more of an agency type company, Primerica mm-hmm. Financial Services. And uh, I love Primerica because it allowed me to teach people about money, but also still being able to still keep my legal shield part of my business. Yes, because they had it with it. Right. right. Okay. So I was able to, and I've done that for many years, and I'm still licensed today mm-hmm. nice. with, you know, certain li- licenses with Primerica. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. So, but during that time frame of working with Primerica and legal shield, or, or prime, excuse me, during that time frame of working with Primerica and Prepaid legal, legal, prepaid right. legal at the time, I still felt like, you know what, this is great. I love the fact that I can plug into this, these large companies, but I still kind of almost felt like it was still corporate America to me mm. because it wasn't my own. Right. Right. right, right. I, I was thankful for the opportunity to be able to make some, you know, more money right. with these companies, but I still always had that something on the inside that I wanted to develop my yeah. own company. It wasn't Rice Krispies. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I decided to, I loved the beauty industry. I wasn't really sure that I wanted to open up another salon, but I still love the beauty industry. Um, and during this time, um, I had transitioned. I was still keeping my job. I didn't say that, but I was still working. Um, but I transitioned from that company to another company where I made, was able to make more money uh, with Bell South. Nice. 
And during this time, I became friends with a young lady at the job that we became very, very good friends, and she developed cancer, oh, breast wow. cancer. And be, from there, she, when she passed away, one of the reasons she, I feel in my heart she passed away was because she decided that she wanted to fight this on her own without going to doctors. In other words, she didn't want to go and do chemo, right. radiation. Yeah. She was just that vain about losing her hair. Mm -hmm. And that tore me up on the inside. Sure. Because I'm like, you know, I would much rather you not have hair and be here. Right, exactly. Than to worry, worry about, about losing your hair. Your hair. Sure, sure. And so by the time that she, so she started, you know, going to natural doctors and trying to, you know, beat cancer naturally. And um, so during that time, you know, I was just like, okay, what could I have done to help my friend? And I just felt that if I would have possibly, you know, being that I was I was a hairstylist, I, I loved wigs, I knew how to make wigs, I knew how to do things with hair extensions, you know, I just really felt like I probably could have done something more to, and maybe she would be here today. So I decided to start to launch a nonprofit in her honor and we called it Gift of Hair. So basically what I would do is I would, you know, make wigs and give them to women going through cancer treatment, you know, as a way to help them to still maintain their beauty while they get their treatment. And so that's that took me down. I mean, I had no idea, to be honest with you, Fred, where that was going to take me. And it was just amazing because, you know, that was in 2009. Of course, this is, this is 2018, right? So that was nine years ago. And from there, I decided, you know what? Well, I, I was still working my job, started a nonprofit. But I said, you know what? I think I want to open up a, 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 a wig shop and allow, you know, women to come to me. I want to open up a salon again. Nice. But, but maybe I'll just, you know, do the, the whole wigs thing. And I got connected to hospitals, oh, to doctors nice. and things like that. And so I started getting people, you know, like coming to me. Just from prescriptions from the doctors. Look at that! Isn't that amazing? That is amazing, right there. Right <laughs> and that there. was not, and now that was not intentional, mm -hmm. but it happened by accident. And because I, I had someone come to me and say, "Do you accept insurance?" Mm. And it was like a light bulb went off, like "Bing!" I was uh, like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> entrepreneur light bulb. <laughs> right, wait. I was like, "Wait a minute, uh -huh. insurance!" I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" <laughs> so I started doing my research, right. and I found out that I could accept insurance, health insurance. For women going through chemo. No way. Yes. Look at that. My goodness. But it had to be called a prosthesis. Hmm. A hair prosthetic. A, a hair pro, almost like it a It couldn't be called leg. a wig. Exactly. Okay. It was a hair prosthetic. In order, in order, to, in order to be able to, cla to classify it yeah, and to get paid for it. Gotcha. So that is what I did. Wow. So that was another, that was a business while I was still working my job. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I was, so it is possible to run a business while still working your job. Yes, a part-time business. Right. It part -time was a part-time business. business. Right. So from there, it evolved because I started getting so many more people coming to me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try my hand at doing something bigger. I, I actually ended up opening up a boutique. Wow. Now, I didn't say what happened before I opened this. During that time, while I was running a nonprofit, um, my mother and I were in a terrible car accident mm. and during this time of going through chemo for about I'm sorry excuse me going during this time going through treatment for about eight months eight months, eight months I went through three different types of therapy because I was in a I mean the, the car accident was so bad that 
you know, I had so many back problems. So mm. during this time, my job fired me. What? How dare they fire How you? How dare they, right? What? What's wrong with them? So they let me go from this job that I was like, and this was like probably the best job or something else. It was the best paying job wow. that I ever had. Wow. They paid for my, my health care and my family's health care. Mm-hmm. I didn't have co-pays. Nothing. None of that. Um, I made a little, almost $30, $30 an hour. Nice. And was bringing home a really nice oh, paycheck. $30 really, an hour. Really nice paycheck. Some people don't make thirty dollars an hour in their whole career. Exactly, okay. and I was and I was there for, and you had to be there for five years in order to be vested. Oh yeah. So I was yeah. invest. So they would match whatever I was putting that, in. Vested mean if you're investing your money mm-hmm. and you put in a certain amount of if money. If you happen to leave for the, for the listeners out right. there, then if you had to leave, then the money that you put in mm-hmm. will be yours, mm-hmm. and then the money that they matched. You well, can keep that. Exactly. Right, okay. But what happened was, at the four-year mark, they let me go. Well, isn't that convenient for How them? How convenient, right? <laughs> <laughs> so It's not funny, but I'm just saying. It's funny now, it's but it wasn't funny yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, but so, yeah, in the four-year mark, they let me go while I was in therapy. Well, they, they text you? Or it wasn't text? Actually, there. after eight months, when my doctor finally gave me clearance to yeah. come back to work, the day that I came back to work, I was there for about an hour and a half, and they walked me downstairs. They should let you walk. I mean, at least they let me work. They didn't even let me work the entire day. Oh my goodness! They let me sit there at my desk and work for about an hour and a half. Look at that! And then called me in and said, "You know, we're sorry. We're gonna have to let you go." Da da da. da. I don't even remember the words they said, but they let me go, and that was in 2005. How did you feel when you got let go? Oh my God! I felt horrible. In a way, I kind of felt like relieved, but at the same time, I felt like, how could you, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Like Just the way they did the it. The way they did and it. Like timing. I've been gone for eight months getting better from a car accident yeah. and you already got somebody else pretty much ready to take my place. And it was, it just really showed me that, you know what? I'll never let this happen to me again. Right. And right. I said, I will never let this happen to me. I am going to be in control of my own ship right i'm gonna be the captain of my ship and from that day it's been hard but i've never worked for anyone else right since 2005 wow and been able to maintain 13 years house and family and all that kind of stuff wow 13 years ago you're an entrepreneur you're teaching me something (laughs) as you talk this out it makes you think like wait a minute i am really an entrepreneur so what do you say to people that say oh well you just gotta go find another job and you know you know, maybe you just got to find something else better. Are you bitter? Because they, 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 they let you go. Oh, God, no. I'm actually very happy. As a matter of fact, I shared something. I think it was yesterday on, on Facebook. And, okay. You know, and I, I shared that, you know, I was one of the best things that ever happened to me was the company letting me go. Mm. Because it forced me to grow. It does. Yeah, it, sure. it truly forced That's me anybody to. anybody to make you yes, grow. It, it, income source. Right. It forced me to grow because I had a, I had a mortgage yep. that I had to pay. Yep. Um, and I almost lost my home several mm-hmm. times before, through, you know, to foreclosure. But thank sure. God, by the grace of God, I didn't. Yes, thank God. Um, and that was, that was so, those were some really tough times. Mm-hmm. But I still never went back and worked for someone else. I kept trying my hand at different things. I kept my network marketing businesses going. Yeah. And then I opened up a boutique. After the job that you got. After the you job let me go. another storefront business. Yes. You are an entrepreneur. <laughs> okay. I truly am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For those who are listening on the show, listen. 
And we have a true entrepreneur on the show tonight, Iona Denise Garrett. <laughs> that was a great interview, wasn't it? At the end of every episode, when you listen to the Studio22Live.tv podcast, you're always going to be able to look forward to some words of encouragement, inspiration, or words of wisdom that can get you through the rest of your day, the rest of your week, or the rest of the year. And the one I want to end with today is simply this. Never let negativity rob you of your destiny. Studio 22 Thank you so much for listening to the Studio 22 Live.tv podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. We strive to continue to add value to the lives of all of our listeners, and we appreciate you for giving us time out of your day. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Studio 22 Live TV, S-T-U-D-E-O 22 Live TV. You can also add yourself to our Facebook group, the Studio 22 Live TV Podcast, where we discuss valuable topics, interview amazing people, sharing their stories and valuable lessons learned to educate, impact, and empower lives across the world. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us an email to studeo 22 TV at gmail.com. That's studio22livetv at gmail.com. Or if you know somebody who would like to be a guest on the show who's doing some positive things in their career, in their life, in their family, or in their community, who's making an impact in the community or in the lives of others, please give us a call at 610-466-5461. If you have any suggestions or comments that you would like to share with us, give us a call at 610-466-5461 or you can send us an email at studio22livetv at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you. So thank you for taking the time to tune in to the studio22live.tv podcast. Always positive, always on, 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 always on